Good afternoon. It is Sunday, Father's Day actually, June 15, 2014. And no, it's, uh, yes, it is June 15th. Um, this is Vicki Pran. Bob and Mickey are at a memorial service this afternoon. And um, uh, we had talked about my recording this um, and somehow never got around to the tutorial part. And I see that Bob and Mickey are both signed in as um, recording. So I'm hoping that really means that at least one of their um, systems will have <laughs> will have this for us. Today we are discussing the book by Blake Crouch called Just Pines, one word. And um, I have a, a brief bio here. Uh, Blake Crouch was born near Statesville, North Carolina in 1978, which makes him awfully young. Um, he published his first two novels within five years of graduating from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill with uh, degrees in English and creative writing. He has since published eight other novels and a bunch of shorter works, uh, some short stories and some novellas. He's had things in all of those well-known magazines, um, uh, Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine, and um, my mind goes blank. I cannot think of the name of that other one that um, all of the mystery writers use. Um, he currently lives in Durango, Colorado. Pines is the first in a series. There is a second one which I have not been able to find on Bard or Bookshare or any of those places. I don't know if it's available from Audible or not. Um, the second book in the in the series is called Wayward. The Wayward Pines um, series was started. In 2013, there were 10 episodes on Fox during the spring, and they're going to pick it up as a series in 2015. I don't know how many um, um, episodes they plan to have, but they will um, start in the beginning of 2015 with Matt Dillon as Ethan Burke. <laughs> so that should be uh, a lot of fun for those of you who have television and watch it. Uh, several of his other works have been, um, uh, they're, they're in negotiation for filming. And as far as I could find out, nothing has yet become a, a movie or, or whatever um, other than the series that we have with the Wayward Pine series. So what did uh, people think about this particular novel? Well, before I say what I thought about the novel, yeah, I hear a lot of author interviews and stuff and read a lot about author. Like, Is, is Blake Crouch the one that said he was influenced by the Twin Peaks uh, television uh, uh, run back in, I think it was maybe late 70s, early 80s when it came out? I was thinking he was the one, and that was in the forward part of the book, but am I remembering that right? I think you're correct, Alan. Um, actually, I think it was 1990 that Twin Peaks was out, that he was 12 years old, 
and he was completely taken by it and just absolutely fell in love with the whole idea and from then on wanted to uh, expand on and continue this kind of, well, my word, wacky, wackiness, or maybe he even said that. That, that that's it. Nineteen ninety. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I seem like the older I get, the more decades I get confused. But uh, yeah, that that would fit because he was born in seventy eight and he was about twelve. And uh, yeah, anybody that was influenced by Twin Pinks would would explain why his books are a little, are a little bit different. But I really I really did enjoy this book. I you know, it just kind of caught me. Uh, I really wasn't expecting it to, to take quite the turn that it did. But uh, uh, it, it kind of caught me. From the beginning, with the the storyline, because I mean, here you got this guy that uh, he's been in this accident. Now, I finished it at the end of May, so I may be it's getting a little fuzzy. But uh, this guy's injured, and this he's in this accident. It's like everybody thinks he's crazy. You're wondering if he's actually losing his mind and stuff. But I really, I really enjoyed uh, uh, the 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 twist and turns it took, and and how he kind of tied it all together with. Uh, uh, you know, with it being set in that way in the future and stuff, but uh, uh, I, I had a hard time putting it down. I, 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 I thought it was a good read. And of course, you, you, you gotta, you kind of gotta enjoy the, 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 the sci-fi aspects of it. But uh, I did, and, and I, I thought it worked. So uh, I, I'm sorry, Sherry's not here. Sherry Wells, who recommended it, because uh, uh, I, I enjoyed it. And I did too. I'm gonna read Wayward now. Try to track it down on Audible first. Uh, I, I like Blake Crouch. I read Abandon, wasn't it, the, about the mine in Colorado? And it was, uh, I was on the, you know, the edge of the seat of my chair listening. We, Ruth Ann and I, I love that book, and we love this one. Uh, Joe Wilson, I had to grow used to him a little bit. I think it was Joe Wilson who was the narrator, but it, it, he was okay. And, yeah, I was trying to figure out, what's going on? Is this guy crazy or is the town crazy? And it was, then I kind of thought Twilight Zone. You know, and uh, and uh, especially when, you know, he got over the wall with the abbeys and the monsters and all this stuff. He was incredible, the way he climbed mountains and, uh, you know, they were at the bottom waiting to get him. And, uh, you know, you, you have to suspend disbelief a little bit. But it's a book that I like of action, total action. And, of course, the ending, I didn't anticipate. I mean, I didn't know what was going to be, but the... This society, this this little town, seems to be the only one left in the world, or at least in America. And uh, this is, uh, and I think that's the interesting stuff to discuss. The was the doctor right? Did everybody have to follow these rules? Did we have to put them in suspended animation? I guess we did, but uh, there were rules, and if you didn't obey them, they murdered you, like with Beverly, which is tragic. Okay, let's see what others have to say. Well, I really liked it, too. I found it fascinating, um, the way he comes into this, has this accident, supposedly, and here he is and has nothing, whatever, with him. Nobody will tell him what's going on. And uh, I was intrigued by it. I got a little confused in parts of it when they kept going sort of back and forth. But that's part of suspending disbelief, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I liked it. It was wacky enough. And I loved the horror in it. And his fighting with the abbeys, I guess they were 
called. And, uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, I, I did like the book. I, it was up and down at first, but the last part last night, I was up several hours finishing off the book. It was very, a real, uh, difficult one. And I, I did read Abandoned also years back. I remember now, I, that was the days when I got books, whether I ordered them or not from the library. And that was one, but it was a good story. And, uh, it reminded me, uh, about uh, H.G. Wells' book in his time machine, or a, a futuristic story where the, uh, the humans were acting more like cattle, and then these monsters down in the caves would come up and eat them at that time. And I've forgotten the name of the story, and I couldn't find it on Bard, so I, I don't know. But I think he's a pretty good author, and if I can find Wayward, I might might read it. Is Jill here? Okay. I think you're picking on me, Bob. I um, I have mixed feelings. I, I never would have read this book because I really don't read science fiction and I don't read um, fantasy. Uh, you know, that's just me. Um, and I don't like horror-type stuff. So suspending disbelief and all of the rest of this, um, I did read the book, and this is one of the reasons I really like this particular group, because we try a variety of books, and um, some of them I'm not even, I don't even show up for the meeting, because I know that isn't the kind of book I want to read. So why I really read this, I don't know, but I just got started, and like everybody else, I couldn't put it down once I got started. Um, <clears throat> what it really reminded me of the ending of it, uh, we had cousins living in the Rolling Hills area, and this had to be in the 60s, I'm sure, and they literally built a bomb shelter um, so that when the atomic bomb hit, you know, they'd, they'd be safe. And I remember at the time thinking, I wouldn't even want to be alive if 99% of the population were dead, and so I guess that is the way I ended up feeling about the end of this book. Who would want to even be alive in a little town that was so restricted like this town was? So that's my take on this book. Well, I didn't read the book. Um, I thought those sort of like books and beyond, and I read some things completely different, so I really couldn't judge it, but... I tend not to read apocalyptic literature. I don't like it. Um, I do not like reading what I would call zombie lit. And, uh, you know, I mean, I heard the review of The Road by Cormac McCarthy that sounded like such a downer to me. I wouldn't read the darn thing. Well, thanks, Kim, for that, because it, it always makes the discussion more interesting if there's at least one person who doesn't like things. Um, I have to, um, I, I have to agree completely with Jill. That's one of the things I really like about this particular group because we read such a variety. I have read things I would never ever have thought about reading, much less tried, um, because of this group. And um, and there are some things I've read that I thought were absolutely <laughs> awful, and and other things I was really 
really pleased with. Um, I, I I liked this book a lot. It was um, kind of as as Alan said I, from the beginning. It grabbed me, and I wanted to know what the heck happened to this guy and what's going on. And as it developed, I started thinking, well, you know. Um, why are all of these people treating him like this? What is going on? And um, I did think the ending was a little well. Yeah, you have to you have to use your imagination a, a good bit there. But I um I kind of agree with Jill in that area because I um I'm not sure if you have such a tiny tiny bunch of people of, of survivors that gosh is it is it worth all of the 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 restructuring and recreating and, and so forth um, um, and then there's the other thing that Alan brought up all of those all of those people are now um, in suspended animation basically or, or in um, what do you call that um, I can't think of the word I want but anyway uh, so who is going to decide when it's a good time to bring those people back? And um, and and then, of course, if I were in that position, how am I going to be assimilated into this weird new society with all the changed rules and things? Well, uh, good point. Uh, Ruthann, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I thought this was sort of a, uh, in, there were parts of it which reminded me of Stephen King, Parts which remind me of the, of the Twilight Zone, but I thought that the uh, author's, you know, uh, development of characters and various things was very good in this. And I, again, I got into the thing; and couldn't put it down either. But uh, it was, you know, a good book and everything. But oh my, it was uh, what they had to do to this these people. I mean, we found out that they had a thing where they. Uh, had inserted a chip into the thigh, and uh, they were walking around, and you know, some, they were being kept track of, and uh, all of that. Um, I'm not sure a person would want to have all of that and have to give up everything. Uh, as far as if you want to still be alive, I read a book. We read one, Alas Babylon. It was again the atomic blast, you know, wiped out uh, the world, a lot of the world. But they kept the rules of society. You know, these guys didn't. That David, who's a supposed psychologist but isn't, you know, these guys were in suspended animation when they came back. To, oh, I was um, here born in, it's nine, must be 1965. And um, let me ask questions, though. And if you ask too many, they killed you. They said, we have to. We, we cannot have anybody go over the wall. We cannot have anybody... Um, being a rebel, uh, the sheriff, as you know, who I hated, and, and what a way to die in the uh, with the plane there. That was something. Uh, but he said he wanted to rule. We couldn't let him rule, you know. And so I wouldn't want that kind of a society. I don't care if I'd rather be dead to Joe with my ninety nine percent of my friends. Uh, I'd rather because I, I maybe I wouldn't know any better because I was in suspended animation, but. Eventually, I would start asking questions. Where where are we from? How did I get here? Can I go over the wall? Can I go, you know, do this? And they'll either stick a chip in me or do something. Uh, I hear now we're going to have drones in uh, Ventura County. The sheriff's department is uh, moving to get those to hunt down bad guys. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't like it, though. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think it was Bob that brought up about the, uh, the keeping people in suspended animation and when you would bring them out again. It, it wasn't me. And uh, one thing, I, I'm like, Kim, I don't normally like uh, post-apocalyptic kind of uh, kind of books, but I, this one really, I didn't really put this one, this one really wasn't quite post-apocalyptic because the, the way you, you didn't really find out that the apocalypse had occurred until right until you got into the end and, and everything was revealed. So, uh, yeah, Cormac McCarthy's The Road was, was kind of a hard, hard, I only read that because my son was reading it in high school, but it, it's not my cup of tea. But uh, one thing I did find interesting about this book, I think, a little bit, the town felt a little bit like uh, Shirley Jackson's short story, The Lottery, I thought. The, it, it, I, I was kind of cast back to high school when they got to that part where the town's people were, uh, were, were uh, poor Beverly. I really liked her. I, I, I wish she could have survived. But uh, uh, that, that, that kind of reminded me of, of, of Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, uh, that, that part anyway. Well, um, I generally don't read science fiction or fantasy, but I do love horror, so um, uh, it, there was a lot of horror in this. This kind of, in some ways, reminded me of Lost Horizon by James Hilton, where these guys are taken to Shangri-La, where they're kept and they will remain young as long as they're there and they don't want to stay there and they convince the young girl to go with them and they go over the mountains and on their way as they're traveling back home they age tremendously and um, uh, and here they were kept um, with, a, with chips embedded into them but also it reminded me of 1984, where everybody is tracked and Big Brother is watching them and everything. So um, um, I too like this group for that very reason. That we're reading books that we may have never gone near. But uh, this this is the purpose of, of the, this group and the other groups that we belong to, and it's great. It really makes you read things that you would not even think of reading. Um, we had read, as we mentioned last week, I guess, in Banquet, that um, we had read this in the Mystery Book Club, uh, Ab Abandoned, which is also by uh, Crouch, and what a good book it was. But in Lost Horizons, Joni, they didn't have the horror like in this book, and of course, because you like horror, that's okay for you. Because I don't like horror, that wasn't okay for me. Well, I think the words you were thinking of about suspended animation would probably be called stasis. And um, I like science fiction and fantasy, but even though I do, uh, there are certain elements of the genre that I really... Uh, I really cannot get into. I never could... The idea of, uh, for example, William Gibson's Neuromancer, of having a, you know, being directly wired to a computer through a jack in your head, that was, that sounds really repugnant to me. 
Um, but the thing that I like about fantasy and science fiction, if I'm reading it, I want to find out, and I suppose it's because I majored in anthropology and studied folklore, is how did the author make the world and the culture, and what are these people like? I like that, Ruth that sort of thing in the literature. And that's one of the things that I also like, Kim, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by other people's um, ideas, images, uh, creations of what a future might be. And, and of course, all of this is uh, pretend because we have no way of knowing. Uh, we can make some educated guesses to, to a degree, but it's just such a, uh, such a fascinating thing to me. It really makes me think when I read uh, whether it's um, H.G. Wells or it's uh, old Jules Verne stuff. Look at all the things that he dreamed up, uh, which have to 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 some um, in, in one way or another come to pass. And it's just it's um it's so reading about what might be a oh, hundred years, a thousand years um, in the future from where we are now. I find just just, just, it just, it just grabs me, and I, I want to think about it. And um, some of that could be really horrible. If, and, and if you look back at history and think about some of the, the things that really have happened, um, there's some really awful things. You talk about horror. Uh, people managed that on their own. We don't even have to have fiction for it. Um, you know, talk about the anthropology aspect of this. I remember reading in Michener's book on South Africa or Africa that these tribes they would have these ceremonies where they they be all standing around with rattles, and as the medicine man came out, they they when they got to a very unpopular person, a real jerk, they they'd ladder and they they'd execute the guy. They put pretty horribly too so you know this this is done in other cultures where they do a scapegoat type type situation so that's a, it's a story the um didn't didn't the book say that there's a series based on this wayward on fox tv yeah that's what vicky was was saying and twin peaks kim i've never seen it but it was 1990 was where he saw this business, uh, and he was 12 years old. I don't know if it went in. I don't know anything about the program, though, so I can't. But he said he was greatly influenced by that TV show. Uh, on that, what else was I going to say? Senior moments coming in here. Um, the, the high for me, if I remember the right book, is when Ethan, who was sadly tortured, I mean, you couldn't believe what they were doing to him, and suddenly the Americans come in. And they give him a gun, and I won't say what the soldiers said, but they said, he's all yours. But the other guy said, you'll always be mine. I owe you, you know, own you, basically, the implication. And then Ethan shot him through the head, blew him away. But when we talk about what man can do to man, just read that torture scene. It was awful. You know, and I think another thing that I like in a book, I'm just speaking in general now, I... 
You know, there are books that are relentlessly written in present tense, and I can't give you names of authors, but I don't like that. I like, if I'm reading a book, I like this aspect of storytelling where you say, once upon a time this happened. And I don't mind instances of things being written in present tense as a sort of shot, uh, snapshot. But if it's written always in present tense, or if it's written in second person, uh, if it's a minimalist kind of a book, uh, chances are I would run screaming to get away from those. Well, this author, I thought, used flashback a lot. I mean, you'd be in one plot, and then he, you know, he moved you all over. You had to stay with the book. I've read a, a lot of books, as have all of us, where there are a lot of subplots, where there are flashbacks and that kind of thing. And one of the things that struck me with this book, um, I thought he handled that better than a lot of authors. Um, Joni, you said that you were a little confused from time to time because of, of that, but I thought he did it really neatly um, and was able to to make it clear which was happening now, which happened in the past, which we find out was quite a long time ago. Um, and um, and and I was able to keep it straight, and it, and it fit together and flowed uh, very nicely. Whereas with some books, I'm like wondering where where why are we here? What the heck is going on now? Yeah, I I, I would agree too because. The, the analytic in me is, is real caught up in, in dates and time and stuff. And I kept reading. I kept thinking, wait a second. Th- these these dates just, just aren't working out. I mean, because, you know, as, as you recall, I mean, they kept re- referencing different time periods. And I kept thinking, how, how, how's he going to work this out? And I really liked the way he pulled it all together. And, and, and like I said, it, it, it did all work like like Vicky said, ultimately he he did tie it all together and stuff. And I thought, man, th- th- this was pretty clever the way the way he did tie it all together. Yeah, and Ruth Ann alluded to Steve, there's some Stephen King here. I thought of eleven twenty two sixty three. You know, go back and forth, but this was even beyond that. I wasn't. What I didn't like too much was the very ending where they, he's on one side of the screen door, his family's on the inside, and they decide to to come together. But I, he's setting it up for the next next book i guess and and that's good and that should might be a good story and don that looked like a movie ending yeah get ready for the movie or whatever yeah. we're gonna do there by that screen door yeah i said what is going on go inside no they had to talk talk it out and the screen door although it was real was was symbolic because the, the, the whole um it, it just kind of brought to the Oh, to the to a, a, a climax, the the whole book that we're on two sides, but we can see through it to where we were and where we are now. Absolutely, that was was yeah. really good about it. I really liked that part um, because it was pretty. I was pretty sure that you know here he was going to be the sheriff. He was going to be, and you know so. And he really loved his family, and they loved him. So, um, yeah, he could have 
maybe gone back, but they wouldn't have been there. They were here now. And he kind of resigned himself to the fact that this was going to be it and that he could adjust to it and his family was going to be there and they were important to him. That was a terrible way to get rid of the other girl, though, Beverly, or I guess it was. And then the other old girlfriend got old. <laughs> he was about 20 years older, so I guess that's what the authors do. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you ever read The Lottery by, by Shirley Jackson, but, but what was the town? That they were like stoning people based on whose name got got uh, got drawn in a, in, a, in a lottery and stuff. So, uh, uh, yeah, this one was different, but, but, but ultimately man's man's depravity is really <laughs> uh, ultimately that, that that's that, that's that's where all the the bad stuff is i mean what we do to our fellow fellow man is just really uh horrific in the end and the pack you know they get together custom i i thought of the lottery too alan i think with and too and yeah. it just beverly had to go that was that was it well, uh, the lottery, the they drew your ringing. name. What? All those phones all ringing and everybody. All the phones ringing and everybody's out there. It's custom, custom. And, and then music was playing and all yeah. this stuff was going right. on. Right. It's just uh, becomes custom and uh, due to their, you know, they come out of suspension or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, that that's the way it is. Those are the rules. David laid down the rules for them all. They had to obey them or they'd be killed. Now, if I understand it, I think The Lottery by Shirley Jackson is based on a society where there is a pagan custom for choosing a sacrifice for the growing of the crops. Uh, And I don't know if any of you folks are familiar with a movie called The Wicker Man, and I think there's a novel based on that. But those two seem to be all of a piece to me. Well, the lottery, um, I love the lottery because it is so, what's the word that I want? It's it's so unreasonable. And yet, every year it's done. There was a radio um, a short story uh, on a radio show called Short Story where they did the lottery in a half-hour production. It is so powerful. I also have read it. And um, and it's June 27th. That was the day. I never have forgotten that. And uh, if you ever get to hear that, it is so powerfully done. Um it is just so so horrid when you think about it, how nobody wants to do it, but nobody can end it because the old people there say, well, it's been done every year. And I mean, that that is, is such a picture of what happens with so many things in life that it just really gets to me every time. I mean, I have heard that broadcast, read the story so many times, and I still am compelled to read it again and to listen to it again. Because each time it brings something new 
and new horror to me. It's an interesting paradox. Man's man's intelligence is his elevation and his downfall. And I think that's that um, just comes out again and again and again in uh, in different ways, and yet often it's it's the same. It's the same story, but with different characters and and different plot twists. And and this does happen. It, I forget the book or whatever the name, but it was um, a town that had tradition. Every for Christmas, everybody had Santa Clauses on the roof. Everybody trimmed their lawns the same way. They had Chris, you know, the whole deal. And this one couple said, decides we're going to go on a cruise. We're not going to stay here. And it shows the intimidation. The, the whole thing that occurred. It's, some, it's a comedy, too, but um, we are that way. You, oh, you've got to do it. What do you mean you're not coming over? Families do it. What do you mean you're going somewhere else? Uh, you're breaking tradition. And that was John Grisham's Skipping Christmas. Uh, quite a, quite a, a different kind of book for him, and uh, especially. Um, but th- this this book, um, I, it... It did, as as everybody's been mentioning, it just incorporated so many different um, uh, aspects of, of of other stories that we've all read, and and, uh, and yet it was it was fresh for itself. Search box edit. Type text in this edit field. Well, the question is, aside from the we're going to murder you, and we'll put chips. Was this uh, David Wright? Did he need to set up rules? Did he need to? keep people within in the fence so the abbeys wouldn't kill them all and uh, well you know we, we you know we we poo poo it but how would a society be structured the last town on earth or whatever it might be maybe i wouldn't want to be there but there, there would be harsher rules i think and don't we have to keep in mind too what this society is where it is um there was a need for control and not just control to keep people in line and to do what I want them to do, but also um, for protection because at least when this started, uh, when when the town got started, there was serious danger out there. And, you know, uh, this is why the majority of the population is now gone. So we have to protect those who are left and um, that's 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 where all those rules came in. Yeah, you're right. And when he told Ethan, I can let you stay out here. You could stay here with your family and live in hell or come inside. And Ethan made his choice and the wise choice. He wanted to, didn't want to do that to his family. Yeah, and then the question comes up, when do rules become a form of madness? And when does one decide, okay... We no longer need these rules because what is outside doesn't apply. I kind of felt, since you bring that up, um, that uh, that was part of, well, maybe what this author was trying to get across, that we have rules, but maybe they're a little overkill here because um, the, the first long part of the book um, you you wonder is is he mad or are all the other people mad? What what the heck is going on here? Why why are things the way they are? And and um, I, I that was kind of my my feeling that he was 
trying to make us think about what those are, are those are those rules my madness or your madness he was kidnapping people that come in there they, they they didn't just happen to be there or volunteer they had to be there so when we're talking about rules um, it really reminds me of this whole issue on climate change um, if we believe that we are really causing the problems we have with our climate, um, are we going to follow the rules that our present leader is trying to set up? Uh, this is a division of parties really over this issue. If, if the Republican Party doesn't believe in it, um, does that mean we don't follow those rules? I mean, how do we decide what rules we want to follow and what rules we really don't want to follow? Um, and are we going to contribute to our own own world's downfall by not following rules? Oh, that's excellent. And yeah. the problem is you get into motivation, okay? Uh, the Democrats would say we're trying to save the planet. The Republicans would say the same thing. But the, the perception by Democrats, I guess, and others, is, you know, you're trying to protect big business. You're trying to protect the polluters. And they say, no, we're trying to... You know, we don't believe, number one, in global warming, you know, and all that. Uh, but we're trying to protect the planet. Which madness do you believe in, as Vicky said? I thought that was good. It sounds as though maybe we're winding down a little. Does anybody have any other thoughts, ideas um, to, to throw out here? No, but I compliment worlds of books because they're, they're, they're come, you guys are coming up with different uh Books, as we've said before, it's a free country. If a guy says, oh, not this time, the only risk you run is that I, when I say, I don't think I'm going to like the Odyssey, or I'm not, I don't think I'm going to like this, I may, have, I may have lost the chance to read a great book. You know, that's the risk you run, but um, you're, you're providing a wide variety of books, and we appreciate it. And we do appreciate having people um, like Kim coming in. Um, who have not read the book because sometimes you can throw out some ideas that we didn't think of. Um, it's, of course, interesting if, if you have because um, then you're basing what you're saying on, on what we've read. But um, I thought that um, Kim's comments added some some good flavor today. Uh, and I'm, I have to say I'm, I'm pleased um, when we first started out, I had a feeling that, oh, no, this is going to be over in 15 or 20 minutes because everybody liked the book. Well, as we went on, we found out that everybody liked the book, but also, well, most people, I should say, uh, but um, also had some questions about uh, the, the, the way things framed up. So Mickey suggested a book for next time, if uh, you all like this idea. She came across it just recently and has started it. I don't believe, uh, at least when I talked to her last, she had not finished it, so I don't think she has yet. It's called A Winter's Tale by Nathaniel Benchley. It's um, unfortunately only available on Bard. Uh, Bookshare does not have it. I don't know about other sources. Um, it's a short book. It's six hours and 29 minutes, so it's it's a, a brief read. It's a story, um, as she explained it to me, and I read briefly on Bard, um, 
uh, takes place in New England in the winter, and a small community decides for their own entertainment they're going to put on a, a play, and one disaster after another strikes. I think it's uh, the theater burns down, and the uh, somebody something happens to somebody, and I don't remember the those um, other details, and I have not read it, so... Um, but somehow they determined that the play must go on no matter what. It's that thing of <laughs> there's no business like show business. Um, so um, that is her recommendation for July. Sounds good. Do you guys you have the DV number or you just a winner's tale, right? I don't know, but I read a book, and I don't know if that was the name of it, but it was about a guy... And they rehearsed a play, and I think there was a discussion of what it meant to be an amateur. Uh, and if that was the book by Nathaniel Benchley, I'm not sure. But, you know, there's a guy who's helping to put on the play and rehearse it, I think. I don't know if that is it, but I think I may have read it. And I think the only thing, if I did read it, that was the one thing that I really appreciate finding out the word, the meaning of the word amateur, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing a sloppy job, but you're doing something out of love for a thing. Um, I do have the DB number, Bob, if that's what um, we decide to go with. I thought I would just toss it out there, and if anyone has other suggestions for something that you're just dying to read or you've read recently and would like to get other people's views on, uh, we can certainly consider that. I just finished a book. I'd never read anything by Colleen McCullough before. But I just finished a book called The Ladies of Missalonghi by Colleen McCullough. And it's kind of a short book, and I thought it was kind of fun, actually. I think we should go with this Nathaniel Benchley. I'd like to read it. I couldn't hear that, Johnny. I saw a good review, and I downloaded the book, The Baker's Daughters or something, but I don't remember 77325, that was it. But I'm not swearing to it. I want to read it. It's, it's uh, two plots, one lady in Germany, 1945, and then they go to 2007, another lady in Texas. And uh, Sharon, who uh, wrote it, was very enthusiastic, but I don't know any more about it. I say a winner's tales sounds good. Yeah, that's what I said. I guess I wasn't near enough to the microphone. Sorry. Yeah, the Winter's Tale sounds good to me too. But like, like I say, I'm, I like trying new things and uh, things I might not read or things that, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, um, and Kim, I'm making a note of your suggestion so we can consider it for a later, uh, a later month. Um, the DB number for A Winter's Tale by Nathaniel Benchley is DB35235. That's 35235. Um, I will not be here next month, so it will be Mickey's turn to do, <laughs> to do all of the work. And I will not be here in August either. Next month I will have just come back from the ACB convention in Vegas. And uh, in August I um, expect to be visiting my daughter and her family um, starting on the day that we would have our, our uh, meeting. Um, in July, the third Sunday is the 20th, which is my birthday, so you all can celebrate and uh, uh 
sing and, and all that kind of thing um, as you're working on keeping cool with a winter's tail in the midst of July. Well, happy birthday, and I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my Father's Day. Thank you so much. So I can't believe we're going to be without you for two months, Vicki, if that's what I understood what you were saying. But anyway, uh, I do enjoy your birthday, and uh, uh, I enjoy your daughter, and if, if I followed that right. And thanks for everybody's comments today. I enjoyed the discussion as always. Everybody has uh, very good things to say, and I appreciate it. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers who were here and um, to the fathers of those who are here. Um, and um, I, uh, if I have a, an opportunity to read whatever uh, this book for next month and whatever you read for August, I will um, send my comments to Mickey to include what, for whatever they're worth. I'll be glad to see you on the list, Kim, and... Uh, I agree with Vicki. You had some really excellent input. Thank you. I want to wish all the fathers a happy Father's Day. And Vicki, a very happy birthday in July, even though we're a little bit early. And Kim, it was nice having you here with us. Come again. And also join us in Banquet of Books. I always have to get my little commercials in. Banquet of Books, where we discuss all matter of books that people are reading and whether they like them or not and it's the second Sunday of the month and it was good seeing everybody this group is really fun to be with and I always enjoy it thanks guys <laughs>